0: Well, good afternoon, everybody. Thank you. Welcome to this talk sponsored by the Institute of World Politics. IWP is a graduate school of national security, intelligence, and international affairs. We offer a doctoral program, seven master's degree programs, including two that are online, and 18 certificates of graduate study. If you are at all interested in learning more about us, please feel welcome to grab a staff member after the lecture. Again, to support the work of IWP, please visit iwp.edu forward slash donate. Today we'll be hearing from Mr. Donald Bishop who will deliver a lecture entitled, Norman Rockwell's Four Freedoms at 80. An Air Force Vietnam veteran who also served in Korea and on the Air Force Academy faculty teaching history, Mr. Bishop joined the US Information Agency as a foreign service officer in 1979. During a 31 year career in USIA and state, he served in Hong Kong, Korea, Taiwan, on Capitol Hill, Bangladesh, Nigeria, and twice in China. At the Pentagon, he was the Foreign Policy Advisor to the Commandant of the Marine Corps and then the USAF Chief of Staff before final year at the American Embassy in Kabul. He is now a Krulak Center Distinguished Fellow at Marine Corps University in Quantico. With that, please welcome Mr. Donald Bishop.
1: Okay, today's talk is about the Four Freedoms, proclaimed by President Roosevelt in 1941 without great success until the artist Norman Rockwell provided four paintings, four images that captured the American imagination. We'll look at the campaign's antecedents, the 1941 State of the Union Address and its initial lukewarm reception, Norman Rockwell's Four Freedoms, and their impact during the war, their post-war legacy, and some current criticisms. I will start out with a family story. Uh, President uh, Roosevelt's Four Freedoms and Norman Rockwell's paintings have some antecedents that began in 1937. I learned this partly from my father. This is the Boy Scouts of Elmira, New York, at the train station, leaving for the first Boy Scout Jamboree in 1937, held uh, right here in Washington. Uh, My father included. Uh, You squint, and he's hiding behind the last row. Now, uh, 1937 happened to be the 150th anniversary of the U.S. Constitution. It's sesquicentennial. Now, each scout, uh, including my father, received a copy of this book, prepared by Congress to mark the anniversary. Now note the painting by Howard Chandler Christie of liberty inspiring the framers. And the sesquicentennial's planners decided to make Four Freedoms the branding concept for the sesquicentennial. Now here's Howard Chandler Christie's um, liberty inspiring President Roosevelt. Uh, note that the painting lists the four freedoms of the First Amendment uh, in the Bill of Rights. So Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or the press, or the right of the people to assemble peaceably. So the four freedoms branding, the four freedoms of the First Amendment Uh, had a run. For example, at the 1939 World's Fair in Flushing Meadows, New York, uh, the corners of the Central Square had four large statues representing the Four Freedoms. And they were sculpted by uh, Leo Friedlander. And if you want to see more of his work, look at the large horse sculptures at the end of the Arlington Memorial Bridge. And in 1940, construction of a new building for the War Department began. Above the entrance was a substantial Four Freedoms mural. The War Department soon moved to the Pentagon, but the building and the mural are still there. It's the State Department's Truman Building. Uh, The mural was hidden for many years, but it has now been restored. Now, in the design of the mural, Uh, martial scenes flank, and clouds of aircraft protect the four freedoms, represented in a series of central motifs. So here's one of the the martial views, and here's just one of the central scenes. Uh, That's one of the four freedoms in the Bill of Rights, Uh, so freedom of the press. Now in January 1941, President Roosevelt gave his State of the Union Address on January the 6th. The whole speech deserves rereading 82 years later, and the President's main focus was to urge Congress to pass Lend-Lease. As he said in the speech, to provide funds sufficient to manufacture additional munitions and war supplies of many kinds to be turned over to those nations which are now in actual war with aggressor nations. And I'd say this kind of echoes um, uh, our current discussions of arms for Ukraine. But as the speech concluded, the president shared a vision of a world founded on four essential human freedoms. Now he used the familiar four freedoms label but he reformulated the four, so next. Okay, I I, I promise to keep wordy slides to a minimum, but okay, from the speech. The first is freedom of speech and expression everywhere in the world. The second is freedom of every person to worship God in his own way everywhere in the world. The third is freedom from want economic understandings which will secure to every nation a healthy peacetime life for its inhabitants everywhere in the world. And the fourth is freedom from fear. Now, what he said meant a worldwide reduction of armaments that no nation will be in a position to commit an actual, an, an act of physical aggression against any neighbor anywhere in the world. Now, the, the new four freedoms, Uh, began to circulate Uh, this poster, published by the Pennsylvania Library Association, lists FDR's new list of four freedoms. And when uh, President Roosevelt met uh, Prime Minister Churchill in 1941, the Atlantic Charter that they signed um, uh, stated certain common principles as the United Kingdom and the United States uh, uh, faced Nazi tyranny. Uh, A year later, uh, FDR sort of extended the the, uh, idea of freedom from want and fear that was mentioned in the Atlantic Charter with freedom of religion also. Now domestically, the the, uh, government, the post office department in this case, uh, tried to popularize the Four Freedoms, the new Four Freedoms, with the issuance of postage stamp. They printed 1.3 billion copies of this stamp. And and when war came in uh, in December 1941, different artists began to portray their own visions of the Four Freedoms. Now here's one artist's vision, just one. Uh, Perhaps uh, you might type Arthur Sisk in your search engine uh, and take a look at some of his very vigorous uh, paintings uh, from the wartime period and post-war too. And FDR himself commissioned a Four-Freedoms sculpture by Walter Russell, which went on display in Madison Square Garden with thousands of people coming to view it. Uh, It's now located in the city of Madison, Florida, city of the four freedoms. And Hollywood, in the person of Bing Crosby, uh, stepped up to the plate. Now here are two minutes of the 1942 film Holiday Inn. Note how this one clip incorporates Howard Chandler Christie's uh, Liberty and the Four Freedoms of the Constitution and the Four Freedoms uh, in FDR's State of the Union address. And let's give this a try. Was
2: that
1: the Say again. Was that the Yes, oh sure. <laughs> it's, uh, this could be deconstructed. <laughs> It's, a, it's very interesting, but I don't know about you, but um, I, I like Bing Crosby and his singing, but I'm not sure I'm inspired uh, by, that, by that particular clip in the movie. And uh, would I be inspired to rush out and enlist? Would I be inspired to buy a war bond? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. And that was the problem that confronted the Roosevelt administration a year into the war, <clears throat> pollster George Gallup reported that the Four Freedoms had not registered a very deep imprint here at home. And the Office of War Information uh, feared that the campaign was a complete flop. But now, okay, as soon as we, all right. The next slide, please. Okay, good. <laughs> I mean, we're all inspired by Bing Crosby.
2: And how how propaganda has changed over the.
1: Well, sure. <laughs> Any questions so far?
2: Have you uh, been to the museum?
1: In Stockbridge. Yeah. Yes, I have. So that's the Norman Rockwell Museum in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. Yeah, it's very impressive. Oh,
2: it's amazing.
1: And they have the Four Freedoms paintings you know, in a special gallery. And, um, but of course the museum has expanded its um, writ, I guess, to make it a Museum of American Illustration. And so it has a continuous uh, rotating series of uh, exhibits on famous illustrators. So it's, you know, there's more than just Norman Rockwell's Four Freedoms there. Okay, here we are. So, a flop. The Four Freedoms, not very, not uh, much uh, imprinted in the American mind. And at this time, uh, late 1942, enter the Vermont illustrator and artist, Norman Rockwell. In 1942, he became possessed by the need to take the four freedoms out of the noble language and put them in terms everybody can understand. And so he conceived four images, four paintings, and uh, you can see him here uh, as he's painting the first of the, of the four paintings, Freedom of Speech, which we'll take a look at uh, shortly. Um, Rockwell, expected that uh, some government agency would like to take his images and use them for raising morale, raising inspiration, but uh, he got a complete zero response uh, from government agencies. So instead he turned to the Curtis Publishing Company. Now the Curtis, uh, and go ahead next. So the Curtis Publishing Company published a large format um, weekly magazine on Saturday, every Saturday the Saturday Evening Post. And uh, they ran the four paintings, Rockwell's four paintings, in four consecutive issues, beginning on February the 20th, uh, 1943, February 27th, March 6th, and March 13th. In other words, yesterday was the 80th anniversary of the first publication 80 years ago. Now let's spend a little bit of time looking at the uh, four paintings. Okay, so the first um, is uh, freedom of speech. Now from the blue pamphlet in the hands of the fellow in the foreground, you can tell it's a Vermont town meeting. And notice that our speaker has got the same pamphlet tucked in his pocket. And you can see that the, that the man speaking, uh, he is blue collar, he's a working man, uh, compared to his neighbors with the white shirts and the neckties. Uh, so. But what I notice is that they, 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 everybody is listening to him respectfully. And indeed this whole painting conveys civility and democratic uh, discourse. Next. Now the second is freedom from fear. Now the context is, so there's a couple of course tucking their kids into bed but the context of it is in the headline of the newspaper held by the father, which says, bombings and terror. Now, perhaps they were thinking of London or Chongqing in China. You can tell by the slant of the eve uh, that this is an attic room. And uh, you can tell by the fact that the door, the bed extends a little beyond the stairway that this is a small cramped place where they fit the children into. Uh, so, um, <clears throat> and then there's the rag doll on the floor. So the husband is apparently white collar, but uh, I'd say he was on the lower rungs of, at some office. Third is freedom to worship. Now it's a gathering of Americans at prayer now, I'd say the figures in the, in the center, a little to the upper right, they represent the, the, the large uh, Protestant congregations. The woman with the rosary and the braid over her hair, uh, I'd say is an immigrant and a Catholic, in, uh, a, is a Catholic and perhaps an immigrant. And uh, in the lower right, uh, the man is wearing a sungak, Uh, This is a hat you might notice from uh, paintings of photographs of Gandhi or Sukarno. It's a hat popular in India and in Indonesia. But we should also notice in the upper left there is a black American, and this is pretty significant. Uh, The Saturday Evening Post's policy was only to show African Americans in subordinate roles like Pullman Porters or or uh, children, or help in the household. And so this is a a little different. And so it takes a step toward inclusion and it shows another stream of American Christianity at prayer. And the fourth painting, Freedom from Want. Now, um, the interesting thing about this painting is at the time of the depression, just coming out of the depression, when people, the memories of the depression were fresh in American's mind, all the eyes went to the turkey. But now we live in a, in a time of abundance and uh, perhaps we can even say overnutrition. And uh, so what do our eyes notice now? It's what, what many Americans lack, it's this family uh, that's there, our eyes go to the side. So this is a example of a painting that is still in dialogue with, uh, with American people. And just to, just to mention, the magazine published uh, the paintings w- with an essay on the facing page, each one. The editors, uh, the editors showcased the paintings but they knew that the images needed words too. And uh, we, can, we can count this as a homework assignment for all of you. Uh, read the four, Four Freedoms essays that appeared in the magazine opposite uh, the paintings. They're all on the Curtis Publishing Company Saturday Evening Post website in one place. Uh, they're definitely worth reading. The essays were written by three giants of American letters in the 1930s and 40s. So Booth Tarkington, um, uh, the Indiana writer. Uh, Perhaps you remember the Orson Welles movie, The Magnificent Ambersons, that was based on a Booth Tarkington novel. And Alice Adams starring Katharine Hepburn, that's another Tarkington novel. Um, and, and so it's Stephen Vincent Benet, the great storyteller of the age, Will Durant. Uh, perhaps on these shelves someplace, there's the 10 volumes of World History and Philosophy by Will Durant. He was one of the writers as well. Uh, the fourth was an immigrant from the Philippines, Carlos Bulosan, And if you read his essay, you'll see that it has quite a different tone uh, than the others. Now, the paintings were an immediate sensation. Uh, The the magazine sold 25,000 sets. Uh, Norman Rockwell received 60,000 letters of appreciation and suggestions. Uh, And they went on display around the country in a war bond show. Now, at all the locations, the, the Norman Rockwell for Freedom's war bond show raised $133 million. Now, uh, I ran the inflation calculator, and that would be $2.2 billion in today's money. Pretty substantial effect. Now, here's here's Rockwell autographing one of those printed copies. And uh, if you happen to find uh, these old prints in the attic, check out eBay first (laughs) before you... You give them away. um, This set, you know, on sale for $2,700. So they've, uh, let's say, they've appreciated um, and are appreciated. So the paintings popularized the Four Freedoms concept beyond anything the administration could hope for. They flowered in a Four Freedoms flag that was used at uh, public ceremonies. Formerly, it's called the Four Freedoms United Nations Honor Flag. And, um, and when, the, when the flag, when the United Nations was established in 1945, some urged that this flag become the flag of the United Nations. And look at this poignant photograph. Okay, this is, um, this is photograph taken just across town at Thaddeus Stevens School. Now these students are at a segregated school They know that they don't fully um, possess the same four freedoms that uh, other Americans do, but they raise the flag to honor its ideals. So this is 1943. I'd like to think that some of those students uh, still lived in Washington in 1963 and went down to the mall and heard Dr. King's famous I have a dream speech. Now we can uh, fast forward to some other representations of the Four Freedoms as the war went on. Um, So the many artists took their brushes and their pens in hand. Here's just one of uh, dozens of uh, representations. The cornucopia, for instance, uh, representing uh, freedom from want. Uh, Here's the mural painted in 1943 in the Burbank, California City Council Chambers. Uh, The quilters got into action. And uh, you can find on the web many examples of Four Freedoms quilts. Next, uh, Robert uh, Robert Russell Bennett composed a Four Freedoms symphony. And uh, let's take a look at this. This is from a comic book. Freedom from fear. That's the topic. Okay, let's look from the upper left. No secret police will ever break into our home. Okay. I'll never be put in a concentration camp. Okay. No Hitler youth gang will snatch our children from us. Okay. Look what the daughter says. When I grow up, I can choose career or marriage, whichever I wish. Well, That's a, I don't think that occurred, you know, to uh, all the Four Freedoms, you know, as great principles, but it's quite an interesting, uh, it's quite an interesting how the Four Freedoms would stimulate this kind of new thinking for 19, for the war time. Next. The Office of War Information decided to use the Four Freedoms in its overseas campaigns um, directed at neutrals at allies and enemies. And so look for this eight-page pamphlet on the web. Uh, And so you can understand how the Four Freedoms were pitched to international audiences. And the the pamphlet was written by four great 1930s, 40s minds, men of letters. Uh, Today, however, Today's homework is for you to read the four essays in the Saturday Evening Post. Tomorrow's homework is to find this, to find this eight pages and read its a really vigorous um, defense of the Four Freedoms. The Office of War Information began to internationalize the Four Freedoms in other ways. So here are the posters Uh, used in Spanish-speaking countries. And we can see by 1945, the Four Freedoms uh, had become shorthand for the war aims of the Allies. And so in 1945, the Victory Medal was issued to 16 million Americans who had served in uniform during the war. And what was the war about? According to the medal, freedom from fear and want, uh, freedom of speech and religion. So, uh, so that's, that sums up the effect of the Four Freedoms as expressing the war aims of the United States. Uh, but it all, but, and that's the end of the war, but the power of the Four Freedoms extends beyond uh, into after the war. Now, you have to squint and read Polish, but here are four freedoms overprints on the, sta- the postage stamps used by the Polish army in Italy. You know, these are the troops that fought at Monte Cassino and are not going to go back to communist Poland. Uh, but so they waited. They had they used these stamps as they waited resettlement in England. Next, okay. Now this photo of Eleanor Roosevelt captures the culmination of the Four Freedoms, a sort of momentum after the war. The preamble to the Universal Declaration of Human Rights reads, disregard and contempt for human rights have resulted in barbarous acts which have outraged the conscience of mankind and the advent of a world in which human beings shall enjoy freedom of speech and belief and freedom from fear and want has been proclaimed as the highest aspiration of the common people. Now, if I can digress a little, uh, when I when I was assigned to China and uh, would speak with uh, intellectuals there, professors, and so on, I uh, often uh, pointed out to the, introduced really to them the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, and I could tell by their nonverbals that they hadn't thought that things like freedom of speech was a universal human right. So the, so the, um, the Declaration still has some power. So the Four Freedoms continued to inspire uh, artists. Here's Arthur Sisk again in 1949. Next, here are four paintings in the Mississippi Museum of Art in 1959. And did you know that uh, Evansville, Indiana is the city of the Four Freedoms? Uh, Here are four renderings of the Four Freedoms in the Cox Corridors of the U.S. Capitol. And the East Tennessee War Memorial. You can tell the center pillar has got the Four Freedoms. Uh, around it. Here's a rather new Four Freedoms Memorial in upstate New York in the town of Minerva. There's a park in Florida and a trail in North Florida. Uh, Okay, the Four Freedoms are on the wall of the FDR Memorial here in DC Uh, You can probably walk from the Leo Friedlander horse statues over to the FDR Memorial. Um, And uh, yes, and perhaps the greatest of the post-war tributes to the Four Freedoms is the magnificent FDR Four Freedoms Park, just off Manhattan on an island. It's interesting, uh, it opened in 2005 but the design for this park was the, last, uh, was the last project undertaken by Louis Kahn, the great uh, American architect, before he died. And we can continue, Four Freedoms uh, film festivals and Four Freedoms art exhibits, they still go on. Uh, four Freedoms student uh, art, art contests. <sighs> and there are many uh, warm portrayals of the Four Freedoms. The evidence that Four Freedoms have become iconic American images can be seen in these many in- imitations. Oh, Charlie Brown, you know, with the, you know, with the turkey. Doesn't that warm the heart? Uh, how, and if, if Charlie doesn't do it, it's next. Uh, it's Mickey and Minnie. Mm-hmm. Okay, the Four Freedoms, right there: freedom from want. Uh, next, oh, <laughs> Superman and Wonder Woman. <laughs> oh, Barbie serving serving uh, her friends at Thanksgiving. Oh, you like the next one? You know, there's. I, <laughs> I'm actually kind of charmed by this. Uh, the Obamas at Thanksgiving dinner. Um, now, sometimes the, uh, the the iconic power of the images is used for social commentary. Uh, for instance, here I'd say an artist, the Simpsons, have u- you know used the four freedoms, freedom from want template, but there's a little comment about, let's say, the lack of table manners that uh, characterizes younger generations. And uh, here's a comment next, uh, here's a comment on fast food (laughs) in in American society. Uh, So uh, it replaces both uh, healthy nutrition and Thanksgiving traditions. Okay, now, The Four Freedoms uh, paintings can also provide, have also provided a template for criticisms. Uh, Some now say that um, Rockwell's paintings show a monochromatic yesteryear America that doesn't look like the America of today. And so people have been experimenting with substitutions. So you can see uh, uh, this on the right, uh, is a is an effort to show that American society has changed, uh, that it has more variety. How about this next one? This is a takeoff on uh, Freedom from Fear. Um, I, I like the Marine, <laughs> you know, the, the absent Marine father who's off fighting someplace, but mom is taking care of the kids. Uh, next. Okay, so uh, substitutions. Instead of the working man, you have a working woman uh, with a more diverse um, group of Americans uh, listening respectfully, civilly, to what she has to say. Now, some of these these edge over into images that show frustration or even bitterness, So here's a more inclusive portrait of a black woman doing the speaking, but uh, you can see others are kind of shouting her down. So that's revealing some of the less attractive side of American society. Next. And then there's the whole issue of hypocrisy saying that, and and Rockwell's portrayals only show, they showcase ideals, uh, but the reality is harsher. So now here's an old one by Herblock, the cartoonist, whatever happened to freedom from fear? And uh, if you ain't for Franco and Chang, you're un-American. You know, this is a, this is a, this uses the, familiar template or the familiar label of Four Freedoms to Criticize uh, Society. Now, here's one that really socked me the first time I saw it. Now, it was commissioned for the New Yorker magazine, uh, though they never did use it as a cover illustration. It shows a family of Muslim immigrants. and who knows what they fled to come to the United States? Now, all immigrants try to hold on to something of their old culture. And members of this family, Muslims, are holding on to a a head head covering and a, a headscarf, prayer cap and headscarf. But they've taken the first step to becoming Americans by having a turkey for their Thanksgiving dinner, and then the brick through the window. And for sure, this is not typical uh, but it hurts to know that some newcomers uh, face this kind of reaction. So uh, this, is a, this is a takeoff on the four freedoms that makes you think some about uh, our you know, uh, current issues. Okay, now, this is a school of world politics, national security, and why have I come here to talk about the four freedoms? Now many of you may know the writing of the late Colonel John Boyd of the Air Force, the fighter pilot who changed the art of war. And he said that Americans must have a grand ideal, an overarching theme, a noble philosophy that represents a coherent paradigm within which individuals as well as societies can shape and adapt Uh, to unfolding circumstances, yet order offers a way to expose flaws of competing or adversary systems. I'd say the Four Freedoms are such a uh, philosophy. Next. Former Marine Corps general and uh, Secretary of Defense, uh, Jim Mattis, knew the Four Freedoms as a grand ideal an ideal that attracts people. I had many privileged glimpses into the human condition, but I never once saw human beings flee the freedom of speech. I never saw families on the run from the free practice of religion. As a young Marine, I never picked anybody out of a raft on the ocean, desperate to escape a free press. Uh, When I was in Hong Kong, there were still um, a while ago, but there were still people swimming from the last island in the mainland China to the nearest island in Hong Kong. There wasn't anybody swimming back to China. Uh, It shows the power of the principles that the four freedoms captured. Next. Okay, I hope you all watched the Tom Hanks movie, Greyhound. It's about the Battle of the Atlantic uh, in World War II, the Corvettes and the Destroyers. Uh, against the U-boats. The film Greyhound uh, is based on a 1958 novel by C.S. Forrester, The Good Shepherd. And in the novel, Captain, the American Captain Krause, who's the head of the, the S convoy escorts, he poses the question, why are we doing this? And the answer, he says, is a thousand miles ahead of the convoy, men were waiting for the ships to arrive. If those ships did not reach their destination, the men and women and children who awaited their arrival would be hungry, cold, diseased. They might be torn apart by explosives. But then he continued. They might suffer a fate even worse. A fate they had years earlier decided would be worse. They might be subjected to a tyrant of alien thought, their liberties torn from them, and in that case, not only they, but the whole human race would suffer, and liberty would decline throughout the world. Okay, so um, I submit years earlier, uh, Americans decided that freedom would be the dominant organizing principle of our society. Uh, Franklin Roosevelt and Norman Rockwell just gave us concepts and images for four of the freedoms, four liberties. So it's not time to, uh, not time for um, us to forget them. It's not time for us to discard them. Uh, yes, reimagine them for the America of our century. Yes, make them, whole, make, uh, make them be ideals at home as well as abroad, but I say, embrace them. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Mr. Bishop. We have about 10 minutes oh. for a and a so if you guys have questions.
2: I'll bring the mic yes. First of all, I want to apologize for asking you if you've been to the museum. <laughs> That's the most ridiculous question I could have no, asked. No, 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 actually, it's no. I'm very know, sorry, it's, but it's it's I've been out there the several times. In in Massachusetts, you've got, to, you've got to go a long way to get there. But and yes. I believe and endorse everything you said about the uh, Four Freedoms and about Norman Rockwell. Yes. I don't think too many people know that he was the cover artist for the Saturday Evening Post. From 1916 to 1976, he did 335 covers for the most popular magazine yes. in, the, in the history of the world, or cer- certainly the country. And it's my felt, me, that this institute, IWP, requires at least one Norman Rockwell <laughs> portrait up there on the wall, to inspire everybody, because well,
1: uh, I'd say uh, management is uh, listening. <laughs>
2: <laughs> management is apparently here, and uh, yes. I, I what, rest- a what a wholesome thought. I, I think, sir, you have made the case. Thank you
1: very much. Uh, do go to the Norman Rockwell Museum. It's way out in the west of Massachusetts, so it's sort of off the beaten path if you're you're taking the Acela you know, up to Boston. But uh, there's just a lot. To, there's a lot to see there. And um, uh, there was a Norman Rockwell Museum in Vermont, but it is but it is closed. But the you know the the Norman Rockwell Museum in Stockbridge, that has got money and horsepower behind it, so it's. Quick. And I actually saw the Four Freedoms paintings here at, at George Washington University, uh, when they they from time to time they send them they send them around, uh, so people can see and and. You know, we all see the four feet, know the four feeters paintings from slick magazine prints. When you see the paintings, you notice different things because they've got texture and like the hands on the on the uh, Freedom of Speech fella. You know, they anyway they are very powerful in person that you don't quite catch from the uh, from the prints. I have to leave, but
2: just as an afterthought, his paintings were very instrumental
1: in the civil rights revolution of the mid-1960s, that's for sure. Yes, that's, oh, and, uh, yeah. I could have spent a few minutes on that. Yes, in uh, 19, uh, in the late 50s and 60s, he turned his painting to civil rights and just uh, type Norman Rockwell civil rights paintings in the, your search engine and you'll see some of them. And they, I, I'd say they made people think. Yes.
2: So why do you suppose F, why do you suppose FDR uh, reformulated the uh, ah. the four freedoms from the uh, from the First Amendment to uh
1: yeah well uh, so actually he said freedom of speech and expression so it was one of the new the new formula and I think that in, that includes freedom of the press and you can assemble to make the so he he kind of used this, uh, he used freedom of speech and expression to kind of wrap together, make more, more compact uh, though several of those uh, First Amendment freedoms because he wanted to uh, make room for uh, freedom from fear and freedom from want. And uh, so I think that, and and, and he was, he was, uh, the war was on. So uh the I think he wanted to highlight the challenges of the war at the time. That's my guess.
3: What subject do you
1: teach in Quatrica? <laughs> um, so uh generally you know my 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 real area is uh, propaganda and um disinformation and uh you know s- this information and all the related, and all the related topics. Uh, that, that owes to my having been in the US Information Agency in the glory days, we're always reading you know, what stories the Soviets planted in local newspapers. And uh, so uh, anyway, that's, but, I, but I'm, uh, but like many Foreign Service, all Foreign Service officers, uh, we can talk about anything for three minutes. Yeah. Ask me about intellectual property. Ask me about weapons of mass destruction. I got three minutes on all those topics. But, uh, but you know, as far as going deeper, I've been attracted to the Four Freedoms for some years, since I was young,
0: so. We have time for about one more question, at least from the formal portion. Do
3: I see any more? Excuse me. Thank you, Don. uh, I was wondering, um, in light of the divisions in our country today, do you imagine that these themes still have a a unifying uh, potential, especially since um, there are a lot of people who don't care about uh, freedom of worship because they don't worship? Uh, there's opposition to freedom of speech on our campuses and in the cancel culture, and uh, people take uh, for granted uh, the prosperity that we have. It think they think it just happens, uh, as opposed to being the result of very discreet policies. Yes. Um, and um, anyway, just I'd be grateful sure. for your reflections about this. Oh boy. <laughs>
1: I'll be happy to speak at a one-day conference just to answer that question. I'm gonna pause just on one point. Norman Rockwell, when he got those 60,000 letters, um, you know, there, different themes emerged and many business people said, well, you know, well, yeah, we like those four freedoms, but you know, you missed freedom of enterprise. And ah, freedom of enterprise, that's pretty important to creating the prosperity that we know. And uh, I just the president of Exxon uh, or the chairman of Exxon, I guess, was testifying before Congress. He said, "Yeah, we got freedoms and, uh, and freedom of uh, freedom of uh, enterprise." And I said, "Oh, <laughs> you should be talking to Norman Rockwell." Okay, now as a public diplomacy officer, if I put my hat back, you know, I, I retired 12 years ago. But uh, but if I put put on that perspective for a moment, and I think about. Um, America's way in the world, and the power we have that's not military power or economic power but is a sort of moral power or persuasive power, one of the greatest challenges is now that America is so divided, and, uh, it's, um, and it, I, there are signs that it's getting worse, may get worse before it gets better. So I guess my thought is, uh, when you ha- when you encounter a bad idea, the only solution is a re- response is a good idea. And so, uh, for instance, um, the essay on freedom to worship by Will Durant, who is who by that time in his life is not a not a believer, uh, is very powerful in expressing. Um, what religion does for society. So I guess, uh, and so, um, uh, I think that if there were focus, more focus, I hope, that if there were more focus on the four freedoms and talk about it in schools, talk about it uh, on the talk shows, and, and and if you can get people to calm down from, um, you know, public public disputes, you know, to just talk them through, that's the only way to re heal things. Freedom of speech applies equally to the left or to the right. Um, and if people are discouraged uh, as opposed to hopeful, well, it has to be talked through. So I don't see any immediate. Uh, solution, but I think one of the benefits of of the Four Freedoms paintings and the Four Freedoms uh, discussion would be to get people to think hard about uh, what they have. Now, if you look at those, if you look, sorry, I'm going to go on. If you look at the if you look at the uh, paintings in Spanish, the posters in Spanish, they got bayonets, you know, the, the, you know, trashing, you know, freedom of speech and and so on, uh, sort of typical wartime propaganda which a lot does a lot of emphasis of negatives. You know, they're coming for us. Uh, but the po- power of the Rockwell paintings is they're all positive. They made people feel good. They made people feel confident. This is what we have. We are who we are because we have these four freedoms. And the Nazis, and the Japanese are coming after us and with quite different ideas. So I think that the success of the Four Freedoms was because they were a, posit- a warm, positive expression of American values as opposed to the usual propagandistic um, emphasis on threats. So how to create that warm feeling of what we have is good for the left it's good for the right it's good for uh anyway it's good so that's my only so there's no instant solution no magic wand to wave yes vision ah the vision well right
2: there's a lot of talking but i think that when you have a vision and Rafa had a vision that that people could see the vision
1: well but another thing is is that I think that study of the social media is increasingly revealing. I mean, this is like the algorithmic studies, and uh, that um, you know I don't know, 80 percent of the posts are by two percent of the people. So you have the charged up, uh, angry perhaps people, who are just by their continuous flooding of comments or perhaps memes. Uh, you know, into the social media space is sort of overpowering your ordinary, you know, ordinary thoughts of ordinary people. And, and then for, for people who are not so experienced yet, like college students, high school students who's, whose mind is on the phone, uh, the phone, using all their spare time on the, on the cell phone, uh, then they're vulnerable to, uh, to this, you know, to being misled. So anyway, that means parents have to talk to the kids, means teachers have to talk, Uh, so anyway. I suppose candidates have to talk too, but I just wish they'd talk kind of calmly. (laughs) Do you think it's because the amygdala,
2: when you have that fear, the amygdala shuts down?
1: Okay, so, well, I don't know enough psychology. but. I'm increasingly persuaded that the communications people in, say, the Army's information operations or in the Foreign Service's public diplomacy, they need, they need to study psychology, a lot of psychology. Uh, and it's kind of missing from the, the, the Army does a better job than the Foreign Service. But uh, understanding the, you know, where human motivations come from. Um, how people can be manipulated—the uh, psychology of that is bears a lot more studying. So you need to think of it not just as communications, but you have to think of it as mentalities or psychology. So, okay. Well, I thank I thank this ardent crowd. Okay.